a trio of true crime stories that'll really make you consider existing on the planet Earth. You'll really wonder about whether or not you want to stick around. You should. But you'll question it. And then we travel back to the conspiracy theory iceberg to look at the only conspiracy theory worth researching. There is no conspiracy theory. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. <laughs> I can barely say that with a straight face, but I hope you guys are having a great day and I hope you guys can say it with a straight face. It's so hot in here. I'm recording in the haunted closet. That's not like the name of a studio. I'm recording in the literal haunted closet. I gotta run my AC and then shut it off. Come in, come into a place where the dead has not departed to record this podcast for you. The temperature goes up immediately. Like I don't even know why I bother running the AC for an hour before recording each episode. But I'm here for you guys. You know who else is here for us? He never leaves us alone. He's always hanging out in the most convenient part of our body. <laughs> is, there an in- is there an inconvenient part of the body? Stick your finger up your nose. I want you to pick out our newest Patreon supporter. It's Boogus. Everyone give a round of applause to Boogus. You pull him out. He's like my He's like... That's not what my name means. I'm not saying I'm a booger. I don't know. Boogus, maybe it's like a ghost of a guy named Gus. That that's, that's probably a little less disgusting. So pick your nose, pull out a booger, name it Gus. Boogus, you are going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, or if you guys aren't a booger, that's, that's preferable. But just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. I actually didn't say that in the last episode with Robert Reith. He was the uh, village person dressed up as a carpenter. If you're not a village person, if you don't have a sexy carpenter outfit like Robert Reith, or you're not a booger like Boogus, totally fine. Both are preferable if you're not those things. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Robert Reith, we're waving goodbye to him as he fades away like a force ghost. And Boogus, we're going to toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take your salty, gooey hands, put them all over the controls for the next person who has to play the Dirgible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to a courthouse. We got a court date, dude. This kind of sucks. So the other day, a Patreon, I'm not going to say who it was, was driving the Jason Jalopy a little too fast, a little too wild, got a traffic ticket. Now, because we're all fluffle, because we're all a family of rabbits we all have to attend the court hearing and we're here in court well while we're in this courthouse we're gonna fight this speeding ticket we get in an elevator ding and listen man i've been to court a couple times myself and i've had friends who've gone to court everyone's miserable every single person at the courthouse is miserable the person working in the cafeteria is miserable the judges are miserable it's not a great place to be i was in court I was in court when I ran into a solar plexus clown glider. It's a bad place. Interdimensional, interdimensional creatures hang out in courtrooms. I'll put that episode in the show notes, but uh, you don't want to go to court or have anything to do with court or watch the show Night Court. Actually, that show's pretty funny. I can't make a joke about that being bad. We're in this courthouse. You just want to get the speeding ticket taken care of. This is a very long introduction for three very short stories, but... We want to get this speeding ticket taken care of. We're in this elevator. Now, we know every time this door opens, a weirdo is going to get inside. (laughs) Because that's how the story is framed. And that's what happens in real courthouses. Ding! Elevator door opens. And inside steps... Oh, good. This guy is actually a U.S. Marshal. 
His name is David Timothy Moon. And we're like, oh, what are you here for? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm a U.S. Marshal, so I, like, do Marshal stuff. And we're like, okay, that makes sense. Maybe he'll protect us for the rest of this adventure that we're on. <laughs> this very linear, this very vertical adventure we're on. We go up another story. Ding! The elevator opens up. This is so convoluted. <laughs> the elevator opens up, and inside steps... Ronnie Lou Helton. He's a 73-year-old man. So we see this old man walk in. He looks like the dude from Up. He just kind of saunters in. And so we know why the marshal's here. He's obviously working. We ask, hey, Ronnie, what are you here for? And he turns to us and he says, so the other day, this is totally blown out of proportion. <laughs> this is totally blown out of proportion. And everything I'm about to say is alleged because I haven't been found guilty of anything yet. But on April 7th, 2021, so very recently, I was minding my business in Corbin, Kentucky. And I was walking through a neighbor. I don't, I don't want to tell this story from his point of view. It's going to sound super creepy because I have to keep saying I did this stuff. So this dude named Ronnie Lou Helton was living in Corbin, Kentucky. And he's walking down the street. He's walking through the Gordon Hill Pike neighborhood. It's 4 p.m. This is prime time to be like hanging out, doing little kid stuff, playing with G.I. Joes or Paw Patrol or whatever kids play with these days. There's a little three-year-old boy in the backyard. Look at me, Grandma! I'm a, I'm a three-year-old boy! I don't have imagination yet! I don't know if I'm a jet or a knight. The grandma's like, oh, great. This kid's going to be a struggle. Three-year-old boy's running around his grandma's backyard. Now, Ronnie is walking through the neighborhood, and he has predator vision. Not predator vision like heat vision. Literal, like, sexual predator vision. He's like, he just sees normal. He just sees normal. There's no, like, red heat signature, but it's just creepier. He sees this three-year-old boy running in the backyard, and he walks up to the fence. Hey, how would you like to come over the fence, Ronnie says. And the boy's like, ah, you know, probably not. And Ronnie reaches over the fence, grabs the boy's hand, and starts to lead him along the fence line. Now, Ronnie's a short man. Ronnie's about five foot one. And the boy is three years old, so he's obviously short. So we're talking like a picket fence, but Ronnie's really not tall enough to reach over and grab the boy. But he noticed there's a part where the ground on the boy's side of the fence kind of lumps up. And the fence is technically shorter at that point. So he's leading the boy over to this lump. And he means to pick the boy up and run away with him. As this is going on, the grandma, who's supposed to be babysitting this kid, looks out and sees Ronnie leading this kid down the fence line. And she goes, let go of my son! I mean, not my grandson. Look, oh, my grandson. She's easily confused. Ronnie, let's go with the boy. The boy runs deeper into the safety of the yard. Now, stranger abductions, they're super rare. They do happen. They're terrifying. But that's not even the end of this incident. To make it even creepier, I mean, this is like 4 p.m. It's so casual. You have to think that this guy has done this before, allegedly. He then yells to the grandmother, quote, I'll give you a thousand dollars. For this little boy. Unquote. That's really creepy. The fact that he knew. The fact that he had a number. He's probably in the past been like. I'll give you $750. And they're like no dice. And they're running away. And he's like hmm. Maybe I should up it next time. He's obviously. He's obviously done this enough times. To know $1,000 is the sweet spot. He yells out. I'll give you $1,000 for this boy. They say no. Like you should. And the guy then turns and gets in his car, which was just parked right there. They get his license plate number. They turn it over to the cops. The guy's arrested. He's actually charged with attempted kidnapping. And because he yelled out a price, he actually got charged with human trafficking as well. 
We're standing in this elevator here with this man who tried to abduct a three-year-old boy and then offered a $1,000 price tag for the boy. And it's so funny because if it was just the kidnapping, I probably wouldn't even cover it. I'm like, boring. A man tries to kidnap a three-year-old out of a yard. Ugh. Call me later when you find out the old man's really a skinwalker or something interesting. The fact that he's yelling out a price makes it so chilling to me. He's probably bought kids before. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, there's a U.S. Marshal in this elevator. I gotta be careful what I say illegally. But it's just creepy. It's so, and the fact that he thought the grandma would go, "You almost tried stealing my grandson, but now that you offered me a thousand dollars, come in for some tea. Let's talk." No, he's awaiting some serious, serious charges. So we're now in this elevator with this man who tried kidnapping this little kid. That's not cool. Ding! I mean, it's more than uncool. It's more than uncool. It's disgusting, but. The elevator, we're still stuck in it. Ding! The door opens up. Another man gets on. Into the elevator steps Kevin Wayne Van Leven. He's a 59-year-old home inspector. And we go, hey, we didn't, learn our lesson. we didn't learn our lesson by asking the first guy what he was in for. We ask this guy, what are you in for? And he goes, oh, man, you guys won't believe it. Well, you guys probably will because there's video evidence of it. But this is my story. And then he does wavy lines and we're flashbacked into this memory of his. Reluctantly, we do not want to be in this memory. It's March 12th, 2021. Again, super recent. Those chemtrails are finally starting to catch up with everyone and infecting their brains. We're in Oxford Township, Michigan. Kevin Wayne Van Leven is a home inspector and he is doing what his name implies. He's inspecting a home. He's looking at it and he goes, yeah. Four walls, uh, four walls, uh, a ceiling, perfect. <laughs> Check that down. There does seem to be some sort of foundation or floor. Yeah, it's a floor. He's very, very good at his job. He's very thorough. So when he's doing his home inspecting, the people whose home he's inspecting, they say, oh, we're going to go out and get a bite to eat. You do your thing. But when they did leave him, they didn't expect what was going to happen, but they had a video camera. And so they're out grabbing a quick bite to eat. And all of a sudden, their phone goes off. Their their like tone goes off in their phone. And it shows that they had movement in their baby's nursery. And they're like, oh no, we forgot the baby. I don't know. Like he's a home inspector. He's walking around the home. Why would you even care that motion sensors were going off? It pops up on their phone that there's motion in the nursery. And the mother, she goes, I didn't really, I didn't I wasn't really bothered by it, but for some reason. I decided to look at the video, and this is the video we have. We see Kevin walk into the nursery. It's a very, very nice nursery. It's I didn't even know it was a nursery. It doesn't have like the stereotypical crib and like the haunted rocking chair and, and stuffed animals. It looks more like some weird art deco room. So that baby's that baby's gonna have a real imaginative life. But anyways, it looks very Spartan as a Nursery. So this is now this is now an interior design podcast. You wouldn't know it was a nursery, except for the fact that this man, Kevin, picks up an Elmo doll. This tickle me Elmo doll. And he is walking around with the Elmo doll, and then he turns his back to the camera and he's kinda like in the closet now. And he is humping Elmo. And you go, Jason, how how do you know? How do you know if he has his back to the camera and he's halfway in the closet, how can you tell? Well, you can, you can tell, right? You can tell from the motion of his arm 
and Elmo almost moans of ecstasy. It's all, oh, tickle me harder. You can tell he's banging this this doll. Now, he might have known there was a camera there. <laughs> I really hope not, right? I hope he didn't know. He did turn his body enough that he was trying to conceal it from something, but not so much that you can you, that, that you know, right? When you see the arm kind of moving, not Elmo's arm, but Kevin's arm, and then you see Elmo smoking a cigarette afterwards. He uses this Elmo doll to masturbate on. And then, to make things worse, he puts the Elmo doll back where he found it. So the idea was that no one would be the wiser except for him and Elmo. And there would just be this soaking, disgusting Elmo in the corner of this nursery. Well, they were watching it. They were watching it live. They called the police. The police actually, apparently, according to this article I read on the Mail Online by Lauren Lewis, the police, I believe, got there as he was leaving. And he said, oh, no, no, I totally wasn't masturbating. <laughs> how do you how do you come back from that? You're just standing there and two police officers show up and they're like, hey, are you Kevin Van Leven? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's me. And they go, did you have sex with him? <laughs> how do you? you immediately would think, how did they know? How did they know? have red fur all over your crotch. You go, how would they know? You wouldn't think to come up with a cover story that quickly for that, right? So he does, though. Apparently he's like, no, no, no. It was totally consensual. Elmo came on to me. He denies it. He totally denies it. But then they say, well, there's video of you. And then he's like, okay, you caught me, guys. He holds his hands out to be handcuffed. They're like, we don't want to touch your hands. We know what you're just doing. So he is facing, what was the, it was a weird mischief vandalism or misdemeanor malicious vandalism and it carries like a two-year sentence and i think because there's the sex angle to it an odd part of his bond he's not in jail right now he's able to bond out one of his conditions of his bond is he can't be in a house that he doesn't own that kind of makes him like a vampire right (laughs) like he can't come in your house without special permission there's a zombie apocalypse they're like come in come in he's like i can't the law doesn't allow it but he goes and he hides in a toy factory. He's like, you guys wait there. They're in like a food supermarket. He's like, I'm going to go to this stuffed animal factory. Woohoo! The apocalypse has done me right. I will have to say this, though. The home, in- I-, I thought this was very noble of Kevin. He's a home inspector. He's in someone else's home. It's March 12th, 2021. As he's sexually assaulting Tickle Me Elmo, he's wearing a mask. <laughs> He is very courteous of COVID restrictions. That it's, it's salute to you, Kevin. Hats off, hats off to you. The fact that while you were committing this disgusting crime, you continued to wear a mask. He should be an example for us, for us all. So there we go. We got two creepy stories from these weirdos, alleged weirdos, that we ran into this courthouse. But I said there was a trio of stories, and we're looking around. I'm looking at you. I'm checking. Have you been Delmo recently? You have no fur on your crotch. Good to go. Then we realized the grossest story has been here all along. Deputy U.S. Marshal David Timothy Moon has been lurking behind us the whole time. He, He wasn't lurking. We knew he was there. He was eating a ham sandwich. He's like, hey, I'm still here. May 2019, David Timothy Moon, 50-year-old man, 24-year veteran of the U.S. Marshals, 
This guy had a long career. He actually didn't even answer to the local deputy marshals in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where the story takes place. He, his bosses were in D.C. This guy was a highfalutin dude. But even highfalutin U.S. marshals gotta buy houses. They, they have places to live. They don't live in yurts. They have to live in homes. So when U.S. Marshal David Timothy Moon was house hunting, He's like, oh, this place looks great. The neighborhood looks awesome. I read that thing about home inspectors. They're supposed to have four walls and a roof. Looks good to me. He's walking around this house. And at one point, the real estate agent goes into another room. And that is when David Timothy Moon makes a decision. He realizes that one of the rooms in this house that he's looking at buying is a three-year-old girl's bedroom. Now, the girl's gone. The girl is absent. Nothing bad happens to the girl. And David walks into this empty room. He looks from side to side. He's skulking. Now he's skulking through the room. He's crawling on all fours like the grudge girl. (laughs) He zeroes in on something in the corner of the room. Now, I'm going to say this. This room looks like a little kid's room. To make this whole thing even more disturbing... There's giant stuffed animals and, like, Disney characters and stuffed Disney characters. There's not, like, animated characters running around. It's not Toontown. But she has all of this stuff. It looks like a little kid's room to make this all even creepier. But somehow, if you walked into someone's room right now, would you be able to tell where their dirty clothes hamper was? I couldn't. Uh, Mine's on the floor. (laughs) I throw my dirty clothes on the floor. But... Apparently, he was able to walk into this room. He's probably scoping it out the whole time. He's probably like, hey, can we take another look at this room? And the the real estate agent's like, we've been in that room like 10 times already. He's like, yeah, but I think I left my watch in there. And he's he's still wearing his watch. He's like, uh... He's able to zero in on the dirty clothes hamper of this little girl. He begins... And the reason why we know all this stuff is because this was also on video. He begins going through the dirty clothes... And he pulls out a pair of the... This is so disgusting. He pulls out a pair of the little girl's underwear and goes... (laughs) He's just sniffing it. He's just in hate. You know how disgusting children are? How filthy they are? They're the ones constantly picking their nose and picking their butts and being super gross and never taking baths and stuff. I didn't, man, it was a struggle to get me to take a bath. I was 12 years old. I hated taking baths and showers. They're gross, dude. And this dude is smelling her underwear. And then he throws them back. He leaves the room. And then a couple minutes later, he's able to ditch the real estate agent again, run back into the room, get another sniff. Of these disgusting dirt. It's dirty clothes bro. It's dirty clothes. And he's smelling them. And then. To just make the thing funny. Right? Because that's all so gross. That's so gross. There's an interview. ABC 15. Where they're interviewing forensic psychologist John Della Toro. It's a very interesting quote. Quote. This isn't someone who's unsure. And needs to look around and try to figure out. Is this the thing that arouses me? He knows immediately. Unquote. Just like the guy in the first story, this isn't someone who was driving down the road and he goes, you know what I think I'm going to do today? For the first time ever, I've just had this thought, I'm going to kidnap a young boy. This is someone who's 
thought about this over and over again. This is someone who has fantasized about this, and they knew this was what would turn them on. With David Timothy Moon, it's not alleged. He actually pled guilty to this crime. We'll get to that in a second, but it's on tape. He's sniffing a little girl's underwear. Like, what is going through? I'm not saying that it's bad because it's just on tape. The whole thing's disgusting, but as an outsider, as a non-pervo, you look at it and you go, why, why, why any of that? Did he pick that house because he knew a little girl lived there? Is that how creepy this is? Or did he just happen to be in a house and see a little girl's room and go, I bet you there's a hamper in there? Like, what is the logic behind this? Outside of just the disgusting part of the fetish, there's so many other pieces. Now, he said, he told the court, it's the biggest mistake he ever made. And they believed it. They believed it. It was kind of like a one-time thing. It was just like he happened to... I mean, who hasn't been house shopping and been like, you know what I'm missing in life? The disgusting smell of used underwear. That's what's been missing in my 50 years of life. He got charged with all this stuff. He pled guilty to misdemeanor trespassing. His sentence? I mean, you you can argue over what type... Of, this, uh, to me, this reeks of... <laughs> no pun intended. This reeks of a sex crime, right? No one's like, oh, this is my path to fortune and fame. Smelling underwear. The only thing that works is like some sort of fetish. He pleads guilty to misdemeanor trespassing. All he gets for this is unsupervised probation. No one's even keeping an eye on him. Your hamper right now, your hamper may be unsafe. He may be hiding in the shadows right now, trying to get a whiff of your clothes. Unsupervised probation. And when he completes this program of not being supervised, it's not even a program. It was the same thing he was doing before he got arrested. This can be expunged from his record. No one will ever know he was the panty sniffer of Phoenix, Arizona. And you could go, maybe it is. Maybe it is just a one-time thing. Maybe he was just walking through and he happened to fall and trip into this little girl's room and then he was getting up, he accidentally fell into the hamper and smelled underwear twice. Maybe. But also, according to the police report, when he found out the police were looking for him, he threw his computer away. So... We're in, we're in an elevator with these three dudes. We just had to pay a speeding ticket. And now we're sitting with a guy who tried kidnapping a little boy, allegedly. A guy who was banging Elmo, allegedly. And a man who pled guilty to sniffing little girl's underwear. Technically, I guess he probably pled guilty to entering the room. <sighs> Anyways. So that is that story. I actually question <laughs> I should make that a choose. I mean, an interactive adventure. I questioned that, but I was like, nobody wants to pick any of those numbers. None of those are fun, but I did want to package them all in one story. We pay our speeding ticket. We get out of there. Boogus. Let's hop in that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind all these alleged pervos. We are headed out to the conspiracy theory iceberg. The Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. There's a lot of icebergs out there. They keep evolving. I actually have appeared on a Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. 12 Inches sent me a video from Parallel Pipes. They did a breakdown of the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. It's one of those videos that's about an hour long and they just go over everything. Dead Rabbit Radio is listed on there. And he says it's a really cool podcast, and I agree with that. I don't know why I'm listed on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. I'm actually down low enough. I'm next to Solar Plexus Clown Gliders. But it's dope. I'm actually become meta. The man who started reporting on these Conspiracy Theory Icebergs has now become part of the iceberg itself. But, but with the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg, because there's so many of them, some are interesting, some aren't. 
Some are too mysterious, we'll never know. And some are very vague. There is no conspiracy is often found on the lower levels, if not the lowest level of the conspiracy theory iceberg. And it's something I looked at on and off over the years. But that's an easy get, right? You could always say all conspiracy theories are fake, that this is all some sort of mind manipulation, or like I've said before, a lot of conspiracy theories are fake to distract us from real conspiracy theories, and that's not a new idea. A lot of people have said that even before I started saying that. I'm not saying I made that up or anything like that, but it's a real easy one. And so when I would see that on the conspiracy theory iceberg, I would think, oh, I could do an episode like that, but I'm really not saying anything new. But a couple weeks ago, I got an email from somebody. And I think they solved the answer to there are no conspiracies. It's a very, very simple belief. There are no conspiracy theories. And this is it. And I'm paraphrasing what this person sent me, and I'm not going to reveal this person's name. But this is the theory. Conspiracy theories are used to pass information from one person to another. That information we are not privy to. Conspiracies don't really exist. They're simply coded messages. Now, I've talked about that before with certain stories, and I've talked about hidden codes being passed back and forth, but it actually, that's just scratching the surface of this one. So, for example, let's say I wanted to, let's say I'm a member of an organization, because you'd have to be really powerful to do this. We're not talking about low-level theories like monkeys don't exist, but it would explain why theories like monkey don't exist doesn't become popular, but birds don't exist do. Birds don't exist is a very, very well-known conspiracy theory. We covered it on the show a long time ago. Carson was the first person to recommend it to me. Thank you very much, Carson. There's flyers in every major city. It's very, it's, it's a meme. It's fake. It was set up as a parody of conspiracy theories. Why is that one more popular than monkeys don't exist? Which is, which is earnest. At the very least, they're both dumb, but one of them, people honestly believe it that monkeys do not exist. It's hilarious, It's hilarious, right? And it makes more sense. I was talking about this on a live stream the other night. We don't see monkeys in our daily life. You can actually convince someone that monkeys don't exist. It's a lot harder to convince someone that birds don't exist because we interact with birds all of the time. Why is birds don't exist more popular than monkeys don't exist? Because what's happening is one group of people are trying to spread a message to another group of people. They're using the conspiracy theories as code. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but we're going to go more in depth now. Because conspiracy theories blow up very quickly, they get publicized very quickly, the message gets spread very quickly, and people are just looking at the surface of it. They're not looking for the code. It's an easy way to spread your message is to actually make it controversial, to make it shocking. Look at that Lil Nas X dude. He came out with that song called Call Me By Your Name, Montero, whatever it is. And this video, he's like banging Satan, and he's like doing a lap dance for Satan, and then he breaks off Satan horns and becomes Satan. And everyone, like, the song had like millions of downloads, and he was selling those shoes and all that stuff. No one would have ever downloaded that song if it was him at a concert. If it was just video of him singing to his fans. Exact same song. You make it controversial, you're going to get the message out. Nobody would he would have had the same 100,000 people who downloaded his last song download this song. Instead, he has all of these YouTube videos and these political pundits talking about it. It was 100% strategy. 
100% strategy behind that. So if I want to send a message to you, I will craft a conspiracy theory called birds don't exist. And you know what the message is. I know what the message is. And I also want to take this moment to say um, a good example of this. And Dead Rabbit recommends this. I don't want to go into detail about it because it's such a good movie. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, Beyond the Silver Lake or Under the Silver Lake. If I want to recommend it, I should know the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. I think it's Under the Silver Lake. It's a movie about this, about how conspiracy theories are actually and hidden messages and music and all this stuff that we think is satanic Illuminati stuff is actually two groups of people communicating with each other. Two powerful groups of people communicating with each other. It's a brilliant movie. It's a great movie. I recommend checking it out. But for what we're talking about here, Let's get back to this core thing. There is no conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories are just ways of people to pass messages back and forth. That's still super vague, right? Like, it's easy. it'd be easy for me to make that statement and then be like, okay, that's the end of the episode. I got an email from somebody who actually not only can specify what the message is, but he made good on it. Bugus, let's hop back in that carbon helicopter. We're leaving behind the conspiracy theory iceberg. We're headed out to the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Carbonter Copter lands in the middle of Stock Exchange. Everyone has to stop trading for the day. Economic disaster, but we're here. And the reason why we're here is this is the theory. If you take a conspiracy theory like the Great Reset, which we talked about yesterday, and you strip it, of all of the satanic stuff, of all of the Illuminati stuff, you boil it down to its essence. It's stock tips. When they start talking about ways to, we're going to invent this microchip and we're going to put it in your hand and all that stuff, when that's the conspiracy theory, invest in biometric technology. When you can find a conspiracy theory and boil it down to how the private market would benefit from that, that tells you who to invest in. Think about it this way. Monkeys aren't real. The conspiracy theory is NASA is trying to prove that God doesn't exist, that evolution is real, and monkeys are a part of evolution, so they're faking it. They're faking all of it. Technically, I guess you can you can invest money in NASA. Birds aren't real is all about how birds are actually spy technology. They're like drones. They're sent out to investigate us, and they're all fake. They're robots. You would then, when that conspiracy theory started, you would go, okay, let's start moving investments towards unmanned aerial vehicles. Let's start putting some of our investments in drone technology and surveillance technology. Who's the hot camera maker right now? Who's making the best optical cameras for these drones? Invest in them. The theory is, is that conspiracy theories like birds aren't real was a way for people to spread stock tips, to commit insider trading, that they're all fake. When you look at stuff about microchips being implanted, Invest in the biometrics. When you start looking at stuff about the singularity and the singularity is going to take stuff up, start investing in companies that are trying to do AI. One organization is looking at this stuff and they know that they're going to have a huge product come out. They see that they're going to have their stock is going to blow up. They know something's going on. To alert their fellow conspirators, they craft a conspiracy theory that's based on what they know is going to happen. And it's not that they know that the Great Reset's going to happen. The Great Reset, the reason why that's more popular than other conspiracy theories in this theory, 
is it's being pushed because they're trying to get other people to invest in the products that prop up the quote-unquote Great Reset. It's fake. It doesn't exist. But you will eat bugs is a thing that people are constantly saying when they talk about Great Reset. The whole thing, in this theory, the whole thing was set up so you would start investing in companies that grow bugs. Now you go, Jason, maybe that's the horse leading the cart or the cart leading the horse. If the Great Reset is coming... And they're going to force everyone to eat... I can't believe I'm still talking about the stupid Great Reset, but the Great Reset is coming, and they're going to force everyone to eat bugs. Of course you should invest in bugs. But the Great Reset is something... It's so hypothetical. They're not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. But according to this theory, if you invest in bugs now, if you invest in bug farms now, you're going to start making money now. In fact, the person who sent me this story claims to have made hundreds of thousands of dollars by simply following the biggest conspiracy theories out there, stripping them of the satanic and the Illuminati nonsense, and investing in the core technologies talked about in those conspiracy theories, no matter how outlandish the conspiracy theory is. Even if it's something that's not supposed to take place until the future, not supposed to take place for a while, something like transhumanism, you boil it down to stuff you can invest in. This person has claimed to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. This isn't, and they were trying to get me to invest in them. I've talked to this person a lot. Way before this, we were actually interacting. They listened to the show. They're a fan of the show. And they approached me one day and said, hey, do you know of any new big conspiracy theories that are coming up? And I said, no, not really. And they said, well, this is why I'm asking, because here's my theory. And I've actually taken this theory over the past couple months and made a lot of money. So if you could figure out what the next big conspiracy theories are going to be, it can give people tips on how to become rich. Is that the reason? And this has been a question that I've talked about a lot on the show, why some conspiracy theories are more popular than others. Is it because some conspiracy theories are artificially propped up, not because of, you know, Russian disinformation trying to prop up flat earth to make Americans look stupid. That's a popular conspiracy theory out there. Not because it's, they're building up these fake conspiracy theories to blind us from the truth. The reason why... Trees are mountains, or mountains are trees, and trees are bushes, however that one was set up, or monkeys don't exist, because those are organic conspiracy theories. Those are actually thought up by individuals. It's just an interesting piece of this puzzle, because that is always the question, why is Flat Earth more popular than so many other conspiracy theories. It's dumb. It's observably dumb. YouTube promotes it. YouTube lets the algorithm run with this flat earth stuff. Why? Is someone benefiting from it? Is it as simple as when you see the flat earth stuff come up, it was to promote GPS technology? When you can boil down these... It doesn't work with every conspiracy theory. It doesn't work with the obscure ones. But when you can boil down these popular conspiracy theories that everyone knows about and find out how the private sector would benefit from technologies in that conspiracy theory, you can make money, apparently. You can make a lot of money. Now, again, you could argue if you if people are talking about putting biometrics inside of you and that's being talked about in the news and you invest in those companies, it's because they plan on putting biometrics inside of you. They've been talking about putting biometrics inside of you since 1992. I've been hearing about the microchips under the skin since 1992. And you could go, well, they're doing it in Sweden. They're doing it at this nightclub in Sweden. They have never, ever been able to fully implement a microchip under the skin. They've been talking about this almost my entire life. 
but companies have been making these things and i you may be able to take a look at when those conspiracy theories started when those conspiracy theories start to dip and they're not as popular and then they peak again in popularity and look at the profits look at the stock increases of those companies it's not that people legitimate stock investors are reading godlike productions and they're super scared that everyone's going to get a microchip it's not that the conspiracy theory makes people worried and they're investing in it or makes them hopeful and they want everyone to get microchip and they're investing in microchips. It's that the conspiracy theory is false. It's 100% fake. And it's a way to tell your friends what you are investing in and what you should invest in without ever getting caught for insider trading, without it ever being tracked back to you. And the conspiracy theory just lives on. It would explain why some conspiracy theories are more popular and longer lasting than others. All these conspiracy theories we investigate and we're trying to solve these mysteries could be just wrapping paper around a gift that the rich people are giving each other. We never get to. Until you crack the code and start investing as well. So the next time you see a conspiracy theory pop up and you start to see it gain popularity and you have a little money to throw around, maybe you should try this too. Boil it down to its essence. What are the technologies needed to make this conspiracy theory work? And see if it actually could be insider trading. However, the flip side could be that it's not. That it actually is investors knowing the conspiracy theory is true. And they're trying to make as much money as they can before the world ends. You could be investing in a microchip company and making some short-term gains because you thought it was just a code. But when that microchip is being forced into your head against your will, and you cry one final teardrop before your emotions are completely overwritten, you will remember that your investment helped end the future of mankind. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.